Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. The following is a presentation of Podcast One. What the hell is Brett Favre doing here? Eric Bowling and Brett Favre on everything from politics and sports to business and culture. This year has been insane. I got some advice for y'all. Take two weeks off and quit. That man right there, number four, Brett Favre. First NFL completion, and it's to himself. It's big time and prime time. That's why Brett Favre is Brett Favre. Yep. Now it's Bowling with Favre. Ah, here we go, Brett. Welcome back. Um, we're going to talk about some weather. I hear <laughs> it's getting crazy out there. Um, you got to get to the sh- you got to get to iTunes, guys. You got to get there and, and rate the show, review the show on iTunes. And guess what? If you if you get a cool review and and, and Brett and I pick it up, and you you might win the autographed Brett Favre jersey May fifteenth. We're going to give a, a jersey away to the the coolest or the most interesting, the w- most catchy review that we can get. So go ahead, get to iTunes, rate us, and review us. Brett, man, welcome back. What a week we've had. Uh, it seems like not a week ago that we were doing this. It seems like a month. <laughs> I guess that's because so much has accumulated between yeah. the two shows. Yeah. So one of the big things, and, and we wanted to talk about one of the big things, uh, you know, at least sports wise, has been this this whole drama back and forth with Aaron Rodgers and the Packer organization. And, and who better to weigh in on that than Mr. Mr. Brett Favre, number four Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, I mean, just what's your overview on it? We'll get into some of the nitty gritty of it, but what's your overview and what's going on? What do you think? Well, I, you know, even though I, I went through somewhat of a similar situation, I'm I'm an outsider in in this situation, meaning I, I'm not really privy to. Only thing I know is basically what I hear uh, or have read. So I'm just like every other fan. Um, But I do know that this has sort of been brewing since the last draft. You know, if you go back to um, the the first round pick they drafted last year, Jordan Love, Mm -hmm. who may end up being a great player. But it was a little bit of a head scratcher to me. Uh, Again, I'm not in no way bashing Jordan Love. I mean, a great, great, you know, achievement for him to be drafted in the first round. But they were – they lost the NFC Championship game, you know, that two seasons ago. And um, you could you can make the argument that they were a player or a play, maybe a couple plays away from being in the Super Bowl. They got arguably, arguably the greatest playmaker in the in the in the game today, um, and he can get it done. But uh, you know, he felt like he needed a little more help. <laughs> what that help was? Could it be a, a you know a utility back who's good at running, but also out of the backfield who's who's a, really a, a dual threat? Uh, you can isolate on backers <clears throat> or safeties, mismatches, or is it a slot receiver? Fast forward, they, they do nothing. They get a quarterback. And again, that situation is very similar to 
mine when Aaron was drafted. There, there is one big, big difference. The year we drafted Aaron, the previous year we had a bad year. We, I think we may have had a losing season, but it was not anything to say, well, they were so close. Why, you know? Right, right, right. So in this case, it's like, you, from an organization standpoint, and I don't, I don't know that organization now uh, well enough to, to be for or against them, but it sends the message, in my opinion, that you're not that you don't want to win now, but it sends the message that we're, we're you know, well, we're worried about our future. Let me ask you from from you know from a business standpoint because because this it, it, since you're since you've been there the the Packer quote unquote organization has evolved into a corporation right so there was always you know in in pro sports there's an owner general manager you know coaches et cetera et cetera and and there's always someone that could make a decision as tough as a decision could needed to be made. Sometimes it, it, it would be, it would be made by a person, either a general manager or an owner and Jerry Jones would make the call or a GM somewhere in, in Oakland, whatever. But he, uh, when it be, when, when the organization now is a board, a board of directors, and then there's shareholders, everyone seems to be nervous or afraid to just make the tough call is the tough call. We'll trade Aaron or is the tough call. Tell Aaron, shut the F up and go play football. You know, I, I don't know, but it seems like everyone's afraid looking over the shoulder. Like no one wants to piss off Aaron Rodgers, and no one also wants to, to, to screw the shareholders. It seems like there's a lot too many cooks in the kitchen. No, well, yeah, that that's the dynamics in green Bay from, you know, from the front front office management perspective, it is different. There isn't a, a one owner. Um, if, if I remember correctly, the, uh, if say the Packers were sold for $4 billion, I think, I think that would go to the Knights of Columbus, uh, you know, way back when a contract was signed for a hundred dollars or something. And who would have ever thought it would turn into this, you know, you know, gigantic Yep. organization. Yep. And even from the time when I first got there, um, the, the stadium held 56,000. The I thought the facilities were nice. They were a little dated. Um, but it's like in 30 years, just become this enormous spectacle, which is impressive. But, you know, the, the board, executive committee, whatever you want to call it, um, no one really ever knows who's making the calls. I mean, Mark Murphy is the is the president now. Brian Gutenhurst, I think, is the GM of football operations. The question is, of the three, the executive committee, Mark Murphy, uh, Gutenhurst, who is is calling these shots? Yeah. Uh, I I think by title and assumption, it would be the GM. Right, but here's the here's the, the caveat being with with. The Green Bay Packers being a publicly traded corporation rather than an, a privately owned team, you know, whatever entity like like most of the other sports is that these guys are making decisions. You know, obviously they want to win football games. Clearly, you want to win a super. That's that's your goal. But they're also worried about the you know the the boardroom and the and the 
and the, 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 the um, shareholders, that's a, that's an added little, you know, question mark. I mean, rather than what, what, what they may, may normally do. Let me ask you this, Brett, would you think, do you think Aaron? So let me just give you some observations. Look, I'm a football fan. I watch, I watch well, quarterbacks. Before you get into that, I guess the question is, why, if you got down to, to just the nitty gritty, why is Aaron Rodgers upset? Is it yeah. because they haven't drafted immediate need help um, or even shown, uh, you know, that they, that they care about that? Like, hey, we tried to get this free agent. We, you know, even if they, they didn't act like you did, it, it is the, the question that or is it that he, with his contract coming up very soon, is he wanting more money than Dak Prescott, uh, Deshaun Watson? He may be making it now. I don't even know what his contract is, but um, maybe that he wants more guaranteed money. I, I guess that is the million-dollar question. Like, what is the the issue? Yeah, you know, what's what's the what's the play here? Is it just he's really? Can I read Terry Bradshaw's comment? I mean, this I think this this. This sums it up for me. Hall of Fame quarterback Terry Bradshaw said Monday in an appearance on Moose and Magnet WFAN, quote, who the hell cares who you draft? I mean, he's a three-time MVP. They're talking about Rodgers in the league, and he's worried about this guy they drafted last year at number one. And for him to be upset, my God, I don't understand that. Pittsburgh drafted Mark Malone, number one, Cliff Stout in the third or fourth round. I, I had them... Uh, coming at me from all angles. I embraced it because when we went to practice, I wasn't worried about those guys. You know, they just, they didn't scare me a bit. So I don't understand why he's so upset at Green Bay. And if they fire the general manager, he'll come back. And are you kidding me? Really, Aaron, what, where is this? What's this all about? Um, and, and, and he said, here's what I would do. Bradshaw saying, I, I would, I wouldn't budge. Let him gripe, let him cry. Let him retire. You're 38. This this means the I, I, I assume Terry Bradshaw's talking about management. Let him retire. You're 38. Go ahead and retire. See you later. I mean, I'm really strong about stuff like that, and it makes him look weak. In my in my way of looking at it, it makes him look weak. So Bradshaw's yeah. I mean, that's a that's a fair assessment. I, I, but I think uh, again, it, it I caution anyone of making assumptions that I mean maybe maybe his you know uh disgruntled nature or or anger or animosity or whatever is something else something you know something that we don't know about and um no one Aaron and and I think I know him fairly well mm-hmm. um if if he has a grudge whether it be against the organization or a player or an, an arch rival or family, friends, he ain't budging. I don't see him coming back and, and, and saying, if this is not resolved, however, whatever the issue is, if it's not resolved, um, or even if it's resolved, but he feels like they got one up on him, he ain't going to play. No, no one Aaron, he would, he would sit. Now it's, you know, he would forego a lot of money, but he's also got a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So he can, yeah, but see, you know, and, and he comes off that way, man. I, 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 again, you know, him personally, you're in the inside in the NFL, but I'm, I'm looking at the outside and, and I'm just gonna make an observation. 
I'm going to make a human observation, fan, but human observation. He comes off like quarterbacks like you and, and, and Brady and quarterbacks, uh, Roethlisberger, they'll have a grudge. You can see that on their face, but the grudge is to win the game. The grudge is to be better and, and, and to kick some ass, right? Aaron strikes me, Aaron Rodgers strikes me as, it's like he's pissed off all the time. Like there's no camaraderie with the other. It doesn't feel like there's any camaraderie with the other guys. It doesn't feel like we're going to kick their ass or we're going to win. It just feels like he he, almost like he he's acting like the whole success of everything is because of him and and it's on him. So maybe there's a lot of pressure given benefit of doubt. There's a lot of pressure in that role, but I don't know As, as a guy, it doesn't seem like he's a good teammate. It's just an observation. Well, I, 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 even though I played with him for three years, it was different roles. Obviously, I was a starter, and he was just a young kid finding his way. And he was fine. Uh, I, I, knew, I knew then, just watching him up close and personal, that he had tremendous potential, uh, great arm strength, great accuracy. It was, you know, when, when a guy is young and trying to find his way, you can't gauge what kind of teammate they are at, at that point. You know, it's it's when they become the guy, whatever, whatever position that is, an up-and-coming receiver, up-and-coming running back, lineman. You know, an up-and-coming lineman, there's one, he's one of five, and it, say he's even he's starting right away. He's, you know, he's not going to be, you know, Mr. Vocal, rah, rah, rah. He, he may be a little bit of a, uh, you know, somewhat of a vocal guy, but – you're kind of finding your way. So it was hard for me to gauge what type of teammate he is. I do know this. Uh, without him, say he doesn't play this year. I, I think you see a totally different Packer team. And Am I wrong about the teammate assessment, though? You well, know. you know, I don't, I don't think Aaron – I think Aaron uh, – in fact, I know he's a very private person. And now, look, when I quit drinking in 98, I became a lot more private than – than I was when I was drinking. I thought I was the life of the party. And then when I got around people drinking, when I was not drinking, I realized I'm not as near, near as much fun as I thought I was. So I kind of, and the older you get, the more reclusive I think you become. <laughs> he just did two weeks uh, as a host of Jeopardy. He's, he's engaged with Shailene Woodley, the, uh, you know, a star. <laughs> he's he's you know, trying he, to hide. He's not doing a good job. <laughs> he, you know, he and I, uh, we had a, uh, um, a strained relationship, to say the least. And I think it was the media made it out to be bigger than it was. Now, do I talk to Aaron much now? Every so often we'll exchange text or um, or we actually will talk on the phone, which is in today's world, which is rare. Um, mm-hmm. And he's always been super nice to me. I, I did some interviews for him in his documentary, which is uh, has not – come out yet uh, for NFL films. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard your assessment from other people as well. Like, what, what kind of guy is Aaron Rodgers? And I don't know what kind of teammate he is today. I don't know. I just know that, you know, as an organization, they know him much better than I do. And you, you got to, you know, for better or for worse. And, Maybe he's – I'm not saying he is or he isn't, but maybe he is the best teammate. He, he think, I think he threw 48 touchdowns and four picks. 
and yep. Yep. quite frankly, could have gone into the Super Bowl again. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe a few mistakes that he made didn't help him in the last game, or maybe a, a player or two uh, uh, added to the, the mix may have. I, I don't know, but I, I don't know what the argument is over. The, you know, I, we can assume, and we've talked about the the two reasons that w- we think. You know, um, you know, Brett. When you t- I'm hearing him, just I'm just thinking. When you take a step back, Aaron Rodgers had a. He's clearly a Hall of Fame career. He's most MVPs. He's got Super Bowl rings. I mean, why be why wreck yourself every day being pissed off? You got the world by the balls, right? You got the world just just loving you. You, you you're, you're one play away from the Super Bowl. One play away. It's not like you're you're out there and you're 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 giving your best and you don't have any support and you, you, the team looks like shit. You're you're a great freaking team and you're a great player and you know you're approaching the end of your career. Why be mad? Why be pissed off? I mean, I I, I would think you'd take all the pressure off and just start you know slinging the ball downfield and having some fun. Yeah, observation. Yeah, I, you know, uh, uh, again, uh, you're you're spot on. I, I I don't know the answers to those questions. Uh, you, you know, this is, in today's game, there's no reason he's 38. Okay, what does that mean? I don't think it means a whole lot compared to to other players that are now Tom Brady being one of them, Drew Brees another one. I played. Uh, I, I think athletically. Aaron at 38 is probably not as beat up as I was at 38. Um, but I, he can still do – I think he's better right now than he's ever been, physically and mentally, um, which is scary for opponents. You don't, don't you know the people that are in the, the, the division and the conference are going, stay out, stay out, don't, <laughs> don't play. Hate on the Packers, hate on the Packers. Whatever you, you got to do, just don't play. <laughs> <laughs> all your friends, right? All your pals. All right. Hey, some other stuff. Can we, uh, can we do a little bit? Uh, there's, there's a lot of other things that are just a little off the top of my head. Cause we've been talking about this since the show started three months ago, Ethereum, Brett, Ethereum, this, this, uh, the other, one of the other current, the uh, cryptocurrencies that we've been talking about 3,400. It was a thousand, eleven hundred dollars the first day we talked. Uh, we started the show. We've been talking Bitcoin, Ethereum. So I pointed out a new record today, thirty-four hundred. And the reason why I think this is kind of interesting: there's another cryptocurrency called Dogecoin. This is wild, Brett. This started as a a meme, a joke by some gamer who who got dumped off one of his games. He got pissed off, so he he developed this thing called Dogecoin. It's a cryptocurrency. Dogecoin, Elon Musk jumped on the Dogecoin, and I just noticed that the um, the Oakland A's just took Dogecoin for seats. And now Dogecoin has gone from just this obscure little thing to like a, a, a 50 or $60 billion asset right now. And this, this kid, a gamer who developed it, just turned billionaire today, billionaire today, because he developed Dogecoin. I mean, these cryptos, again, we'll talk about Poncho. Yeah, you know, I told you my, my son-in-law won in a raffle, a one Ethereum. Yeah. And um, it's tripled. What, what? So what is the number today? What is one Ethereum worth? Well, well, one unit is was when we started talking about when when your 
friend or I can't remember who it was one Ethereum is it was trading around twelve hundred dollars. It's now thirty four hundred. So almost a triple since since that win. So whatever the value almost, was, I think he's been offered somewhere around two hundred and twenty thousand for it. Yeah. Well, whatever to whatever he, the day he got it, triple it and say I'm not taking a penny less than whatever that number is. So now, but, uh, yeah, along the same lines uh, is. And, and I bring this up because I think it's paid in cryptocurrency, but these NFTs that are becoming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Am I, am I correct that there, a lot of them are being paid in cryptocurrency? All, only in crypto and only in Ethereum. And so, so what we're talking, and we can, t- we guess we can talk about a little bit with Brett and I, and, and we're talking about doing some NFTs and working some NFT business work where worked out where we can, uh, we can, you know, just have a little fun with NFTs. Non-fungible tokens is what NFT stands for. And it's any piece of content, whether it's artwork or a, a jersey or a picture or a, 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 an interview. Uh, they can, that anything that's digital or you can make it digital um, becomes an asset. And they're bought and sold with uh, Ethereum, but it's called a non-fungible uh, token. And so we're going to have a little fun with that. I think we have some. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the things, the question is, what do you, what, what do you think will be a popular NFT? And I, I think I even mentioned to you, I have the only, I think, I think this is, it's hard to place a value on it. I have the only signed picture of, this is a picture that in November, I think, in 2015, my jersey was retired on Thursday night uh, football. It was horrible weather, but it was Green Bay weather. And Bart Starr had been uh, – his health had been declining. And I wanted him to be there for it. The previous year was when it was scheduled. And Bart was was not able to travel. So we canceled it to the next year and hoping that – by chance, maybe he would be better. And that week, lo and behold, he was able to travel. <clears throat> so we did a sit down. Aaron had to play in a couple hours. But we all put on our jerseys. We all sat on a stool. And we took this awesome picture of the three of us, knowing that that would be the last time that would ever happen and the first time it's ever happened. And I got – I was smart enough to – I said, when this picture developed, I want it sent straight to Bart. And whenever he can sign it, I'd love for him to sign it. Mm-hmm. And so all three of us have signed it. And uh, no one else has got that. And I thought maybe that would be a great NFT. Yeah, that, not only a great NFT, there's, there's probably – and we'll work on this because I we have some uh, we have some ideas. Brito and I and you are, are putting something together with that whole. Maybe it's more than just the picture, Brett. Maybe it's that moment. Maybe it's the the TV moment or when the three of you are are there and and, and create it digitally and create an NFT around it. But it 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 is unique and it's one of a kind. And that's that's the cool thing about the NFTs that that every time. Someone buys it. Someone else wants it. Every time it's 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 negotiated, the NFT creates a value to the to you to the uh, to the originator. So we'll have some. We'll we'll get into that. We'll, we'll be doing some of that. Um, can I just make one more point about some of the weird shit that's going on in the world? And we we talked about this before we came on, but this whole 
mask situation. I'm not getting into the, the political aspects of it. I'm just going to tell you, I went to New York this week for the first time in since before the, the, uh, the, the COVID-19 New York. I, I was blown away. It, it, it's like the walking dead there. It, the streets are empty. People, the few people who are on the streets and it's, it's eerie because you have this massive city. That's normally I was on third Avenue and 50th street. I was hosting a show for Newsmax and I, I spent the day there. There's no people on the street. Normally uh, on a Friday midday, there'd be literally hundreds, if not thousands of people that you would cross on a street at at any given time. No one. And and the weird thing was I was walking down the street at one point. Now I'm coming from South Carolina where no one's really wearing a mask outside. You just, you wear inside when you're told to and normally, but I'm walking on the street and no one's on the street. Uh, Ladies walking my way. And I happened to have just taken a sip of whatever, Diet Pepsi, and I hadn't put my mask back on. She literally, instead of walking on a 12-foot wide sidewalk, she walked onto the street to go around me because somehow I was going to infect her <laughs> outside being 10 feet apart from her. It just, it's, a, it's, it's crazy how the difference in yeah. New York versus every, well, not everywhere else, but at least certainly this part of the South. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I did a I think it was last week I do uh, maybe two weeks ago uh, uh, a little segment with Martha McCallum um, mm. Fox and we talked about that um, and it, it's to me it's amazing how we're in the United States by the way uh, so we're all together but how different people uh, people's perspective or mm. what they hear has made such a vast difference demographically. Mississippi, the numbers have gone, I mean, considerably down. We don't have a mask mandate. Our schools, I'm not knocking anyone else, but our schools have stayed open all year long. All sports were played on time, just like normal. And without any problems. So I just want people to know that that it's not like, well, look at Mississippi. They don't have mask mandate. You don't want to go there. We have pretty much gone, you know, and, and you do see people wear masks and that's fine. If you choose to wear one, fine. But the numbers have gone considerably down. It's, it's so impressive how, and we, our governor, Tate Reeves, has done a wonderful job of managing all this mess. And, um, and it's worked. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just thought it was odd that, that New York, people asking me, you know, is New York ever coming back? When's New York coming back? And I, I don't know if it's ever going to come back. I don't think New York is going to. I mean, it was such a gritty, gutsy place. And you felt like you were, I lived there for 35 years. It's like every day you made it through a day in New York, you're like, I accomplished something. You know, I made it. I, it's that, it's that tough. And now it just feels like it's not even worth the, it's not cool anymore. It's not even worth the fight. What's better than courtside seats? Free sports on Pluto TV. Hey, sports fans, get all your sports free on Pluto TV. Pluto TV is your home for sports. Watch 24-7 channels of MLB, MLS, MMA, sports news and analysis, plus documentaries. TV shows, and movies, all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts, ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. Hey, brother, Tim Tebow. 
wants to make a comeback. He wants to, he wants to come back and uh, wants to play football again. He wants to play. Uh, he wants to play for the Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars. He's trying out with the Jaguars, obviously, or, uh, you know, they got the first round, the, the quarterback, Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. What do you think of Tebow making a comeback? Why not? I mean, if he can play. Tight end. Uh, I think the connection with he and Urban Meyer certainly has, has helped his case. Mm-hmm. Urban knows what type of what type of player, what type of talent, what type of character, what type of teammate he would be. And that all those are an asset. I don't think you people shouldn't look into, well, he's been out of football for so long. or he's yeah, but, but, but here's what we need. We need Brett's brilliance on this. You're the quarterback. You, you, do you think he can make the switch, Tebow, to tight end? This is what he, this is what he wants to play with. Well, I think physically, yes. But um, – and I think from an intellectual standpoint, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If the guy played quarterback, so he understands routes, route trees, combination uh, coverages, things like that. Um, his problem was, from a quarterback standpoint, his mechanics were – I mean, look, no one can question his leadership and, and, and uh, tenacity. And just – I mean, he wanted to win. And sometimes he will – his team on to win. But the, the question is, it, can he, can he beat man coverage? Can he beat combination coverage? Can he, can he, or is he one dimensional meaning we need someone to block also. Uh, we know he can run. He can probably run as fast as most tight ends and probably can catch, but can he beat man coverage? Can he block, you know, a, a stud defensive end long enough to get an edge. Mm-hmm. That's what they're, you know, I think I, I saw where he's working out with the tight end coach, maybe now. Uh, and although you can't really tell a whole lot from blocking a dummy, they'll get a, a good, I, I envision him being in training camp and whether or not he makes the final cut remains to be seen. I, I personally, I think he'll make the, Final cut because here's why I think. Say he's an okay tight end, got good hands, runs very well, questionable in route running, questionable in blocking, but I can use him as a backup punt protector. I can use him on kickoff team. I can use him on kickoff return team. Mm-hmm. I could even use him on defense if I was low on numbers or an H back. So his versatility is second to none. Let me ask you, Brett, it was, since we're on the Jaguars, uh, Trevor Lawrence gets drafted number one quarterback. Uh, you know, what, what are uh, awesome Clemson quarterback? What, what are the challenges of a young quarterback? And is, does Trevor jump any of those challenges being, you know, the size he is and, and, and the quickness and, and the amount of, I don't know, skills that he's bringing to the game? Can he, can he, can he be successful first year? Um, well, yeah, I think you have to – what is success? Not getting hurt. I look, I don't envision I I assume he'll play day one. Because nowadays you see a lot of these rookie quarterbacks come in and they play right away. And I and I've talked about this. I think they're much more equipped because the offense is for look, Urban Meyer's the coach. He's a college guy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a, a lot of the stuff that is run across the the college football nation 
NFL teams have adopted. See, when I came into the league, it was it was the opposite. You had to you had to adapt to the NFL pros offense. That's not you know under center, you were eye formation, you were you know, you were ISO leads and powers and stuff like that. And then third down, you were more of an open offense. Now it's like they're going, maybe the terminology is the only thing different than, than what they did in college, but the offense is the same RPOs, shotguns. So from that standpoint, it won't be a big change. What will be a big change. I don't foresee them going 14 and two, and I'm not knocking Jacksonville at all. I think it's going to be a, you know, a, a slow, steady climb. Um, that being said, you make a good point, Brett. Staying healthy. The storm. You know, at Clemson, they, he can count on one hand the times they've lost in his career. Yeah, yeah and, and and I think I think twice, and the only other time besides the championship game, it was when he was he had COVID and he sat yeah. out. So I think he only lost one game in four years. Ago. Yeah. So how do you handle that? Uh, well, look at Joe, Joe Burrow. Look at Joe Burrow. Joe Joe Burrow's came in same way, same hype. Remember LSU? He's going to uh, light it up. Uh, goes to Cincinnati with a with, with two and two and fourteen record or some something crazy like that, and gets hurt game three or game four. And you're right. How you know? Because because I guess you're not used to the speed and the size of the NFL players. Um, even even if you're a national champion at LSU. Yeah, you know that that's certainly uh, um, you know something that you face. You know, I think Joe Burrow was doing an, an excellent job of you know manufacturing points. I mean, he he didn't disappoint at all, and unfortunately, he got hurt. But he'll be fine. You know, that's when you're on an OK team, and you know, one of the, the downsides of being a great college player and projected high top 10 pick is you generally go to a, a, a worse team. Yeah. And you have to weather the storm. storm. And, and that, that is from a physical aspect, you know, get, you get, you get a little bit beat up, Trevor, but also do you handle the adversity of, man, I hate losing. And, you know, maybe it's not up up to your statistics. Uh, the most important statistic is the wins-loss category. We know that. And if he can win eight to ten games as a starter this year, I mean, give that yeah. guy the key to the city. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't, how do you handle that? That's the question. And how does um, how does Jacksonville build – you know, an offensive line around him so he doesn't get hurt. And and have they? I, that's something I don't even know. Yeah, that's I, I'll, that, I'll that's, that question. Uh, you, you know, I assume because they drafted Trevor Lawrence that their number one need that, that to get them over the hump is a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all assume that. Otherwise, why would you you draft him? But do you? I don't know enough about Jacksonville to know if they're offensive. I think you know. I'll go off of this. Most of the games they lost last year, and they lost a lot of games, were close. That's very encouraging. It wasn't a blowout every week. They had a couple of games that got away from them. But I think, you know, when it rains, it pours in, in that case. So if they got a, a decent line, um, 
you know, with with a really good line coach, you can you can get by. <laughs> you know, assuming that that's so, will there be a rapport, a chemistry right away with he and his skilled guys, and enough to where you can manufacture points? I think that's the bigger issue. I don't think that he's going to have the freedom that he had at Clemson in the pocket. Um, maybe he will, but I don't foresee that. So he's going to have to rely. We're going to see a little more of what he's made of than we saw at Clemson. At Clemson, he had the best of the best across the board with him. And they were far superior to every opponent they played except for Ohio State or Alabama. So every team he plays is probably going to be the favorite to win. So we'll see how he's got to pull a few more tricks out of his, uh, his hat consistently yeah. to get it done. I think if I'm GM at, at, at uh, Jaguars, I, I, I spend a couple of years building some protection for him than worrying about. I mean, I, this is the way we live now, right? The quarterback, number one draft pick quarterbacks like these guys – you expect to have them stick around for 10 or 15 years and maybe you're not looking to, you know, jump into playoffs right away. Maybe you're looking to build a, build a team, build a, build some, you know, pocket around them and yeah. then start looking at skilled players later. It's, it's, well, I, and I, I forgot to mention this, my really good friend and former coach, Daryl Bevel is the offense coordinator. Oh, okay. Daryl was my offense coordinator in Minnesota. Um, and he was also my offense coordinator and quarterback coach uh, in Green Bay. We're same age, great guy, very brilliant offensive mind, but it's very simple. He's not, you know, depending on where you go, you can get a complicated. My first, one of the first plays I learned in the West Coast offense was brown left tight close, Z right, sprint right solid, Z quick drag. There was only two guys doing anything other than blocking me and Sterling Sharp. Now that's 16, I think that's 16 words. And I, I just remember thinking, now I can rattle it off easy now, but I remember when that was, that play was taught to me, I was like, can we scale that down to like Sterling sprint? Yeah. So, so, so it's, it's, it's Sterling uh, is, is doing a, a fly and, and the rest of those are, are blocking patterns. Everyone else is blocking and I'm sprinting out to the right. <laughs> That's great. That's you know, great. So I mean, in other words, you can, you can make things a little bit difficult by, all right, the hardest, you know, first day, Trevor, the hardest thing you're going to do here or face is not the defense of the Tennessee Titans. It's the terminology that you, you don't want that. You don't want that. You don't want to complicate it. Uh, so simplifying things to where it makes sense right away. Cause the last thing you want is for any player to be thinking as he's dropping back or running his route. Uh, right. And, and exactly. Coaches do that. Not all coaches do it, but some coaches do. Yeah. Yeah. They out coach themselves. Yeah. I'll say, um, before we go, Brett, uh, Kentucky Derby weekend. I don't know if you were there or not, but I saw Brady there. Mr. Uh, TV uh, was there. I wasn't, but, uh, one day I'll get there. I'm actually doing a, uh, a, a three-year deal with a company called Twin Spires. Who oh, yeah. They own the Derby, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great guys. So a lot of ad, uh, ads. Yeah. I, I filmed a commercial there about a month ago. First time I'd ever been there. 
and I, it was like me and the crew in this, I don't know, 300,000 seat or capacity venue. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was really cool to see. Yeah. We saw Brady there. He was, he was, he was styling. He had the hat on. He, he looked really see, cool. I, I, You know, I wouldn't make it at something like that because I got zero pizzazz. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd go just like this. <laughs> I think that would catch a lot of cameras also, though. Brett's Brad, there. That's just a, yeah. All right. Well, listen, brother, always a great week. A uh, lot, lot more to talk about next week. Um, let's talk. Hey, your friend. Luke Bryan coming on next week. We're looking forward to that. So many people looking forward to that. Yeah, Luke. Luke's a great guy, and uh, and we'll talk about how we we met and and uh, his you know what he's doing now. You see him on American Idol. He does a wonderful job. Yeah. You know, for for those listening, Luke was coming on several weeks ago, and the day was it the day of or the day before, right, Eric? Yeah, the day, day before he was he was he had to step away from Idol. Obviously. Yeah, he, uh, uh, I guess tested positive for Corona. In fact, he sent me a message apologizing that he said his voice was terrible. And I, my response was, this may be my chance to outsing you. <laughs> we're, we're still waiting for that, Brett. We're waiting for your Harry Carey and, and you're, you're singing. Uh, you're singing. Holy cow. <laughs> there it is. That's a, I got I to add to my, you know, my, Verbiage. Holy cow is about where it stops right now. No, I don't think so. I heard a little bit more of it last time. <laughs> it's it's going to be good. We're going to get that. But, but it, you know, if the, the, the fast, the best part of the Kenny Chesney interview for me, which, which we did a couple of weeks ago was the, the, the story about how you two were the, the first time you met, you were on Chesney's bus and caught, caught on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Told this bus. Uh-oh. I, I don't know how, you know, I don't know if he ever got an answer of how, what happened. I mean, it was, it was just sitting there. The AC was running, but you know, you couldn't write, you you couldn't write a script any, any crazier than that. <laughs> and then uh, we'll find out how you met Luke Bryan and how that, how that friendship yeah. started and, and, and has progressed. All right, man. Good week. Good talking to you. And uh, can't wait to, to talk to Luke Bryan next week. And, and we'll see you then, everybody. Yeah. And don't forget, rate the show. Go to iTunes. Go to uh, the podcast. Click the podcast area on iTunes and uh, rate and review the podcast. You might win a Brett Favre signed jersey. Brett? I'll sign it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Enjoy the show. <laughs> NFTs. We'll make NFTs, brother. All right. See you next week, everybody. Coming real, it's the next episode. What about Brett Favre? Follow the show on Twitter for the latest news and links to all our social media channels. Bowling with Favre is executive produced by Ali Brito and Rob Jenners. This has been a presentation of Live by Live's Podcast One.